Hello and welcome to Manitap. My name is Chris. I'm Kurt. And uh, we're going over the next three episodes of Arcane. Welcome to episode two. Yeah. All right. So. Also, we didn't mention it in the last episode, but heavy spoilers throughout. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, true. We Um, are talking about the whole series. Just a heads up if you didn't realize from the first episode and you're still listening. Thank you. All right, so episode, what is this, four? Episode four. Yeah. What the hell happened in this episode? So my notes, <laughs> to go to go to my notes, uh-huh. uh, the beginning of episode four has showing Piltover and like a lot of the, the progress that's happened. But my, my first note has to do with the firelights. When you fir- the first time you see them, they're attacking the, like, the smuggling operation. Yeah. And interestingly, they're portrayed, as far as the cinematography goes, in a very ominous or villainous way which is interesting because if you really think about it they're stopping a smuggling operation of shimmer like this really dangerous drug but because of the our perspective is following jinx at this point and she is our protagonist they are the villains of the scene it's just kind of an interesting thing when you yeah take that step back and the way they're portrayed is very ominous very villainous very mysterious and you're just like yeah I don't they're, trust them. they're kind of portrayed as like a terrorist group almost i guess yeah yeah yeah, well, I mean, it's understandable. The that's one. Oh man, that was messed up. Cause we see. All right, so the firelights go in, and then they're like stopping this whole entire smuggling thing, right? Yeah, which also they weren't killing anybody. That is a big thing to point no, out. Too. Yeah, they they, had, they weren't killing anybody. They were stopping using, them with like the, the, the little bombs that caused the crystals to fall yeah. all over them. And, and then whenever Jinx shows up, she immediately starts killing. She them. kills, yeah, she kills two of them immediately as soon as she's out with grenades yeah. that she plants all over them. Which I mean, props to her for getting better with hand to hand combat and all those things. Not used in a good way at all, but uh, still, yeah. Like, but this is also the episode where we see her still being traumatized. Oh yeah, perfect. by visions of Vi. Yeah, with the. The, the one firelight girl had the pink hair. Yeah. And she immediately stops and then freaks the hell out. Yeah, and then just fucking blasts her. And then shoots the girl in the back. Yeah. And then, like, you have this moment where her eyes are just empty after she shoots her. She just... There's no reaction as she's just kind of panting. And it's... it's it's my next note is actually was about Jinx and it's her instability is never glamorized or, or made out to be anything other than tragic. Yeah. Which I respect. I respect they they went for that that yeah, there's no there's nothing good about what's going on with Jinx. Like there's nothing that is a benefit to her or anybody else by it being a thing. It's there there's a reason she's turning the way at, or her fall is happening for yeah, a reason. Yeah. But it's also just, yeah, all the collective trauma of her entire life has mm-hmm. shaped her into what she is. And it's tragic. And you're watching this tragedy just un- slowly unfold as she unravels, really. Mm-hmm. And it's just... And then, of course, immediately after she shoots the girl who looks like Vi, and then she just freaks out even further and starts spraying with the, the minigun. Yeah. It's kind of insane, too. Well. She's mildly insane, but just the action itself is crazy. My next note is... So I'm kind of jumping even further ahead. I'm jumping over all the progress day stuff. 
and which, the yeah, the whole entire celebration thing yeah, going on. And you see which, <laughs> Caitlin and her top and, hat and, and Jason. And yeah, they're doing stuff. My, my next note was just that Caitlin is actually an incredible investigator. Which so it's kind of skipping all of the Jace is giving the speech stuff and all of that, which is neat. I just didn't really have anything to no. say about that. No. I don't know. There's nothing that was really stand out that I was like, oh yeah, we need to really discuss that. But the bit where you know all we know of Caitlin is that she's basically like a grunt. Or the way they treat her is she's like a grunt. Even other than her name, the force, the enforcers don't exactly seem to have her in any position other than go guard your mother's tent. Yeah. So just just because like she is she wants to work and she wants to move up. And she wants to make her own name. She, she wants, wants to make, make her own name, but she is being stuck to being a Kitterman and Alright, yeah. She's, so she's being held back is kind of the yeah the she's thing. being held back by like oh, what i was oh, what i was gonna say is they don't want to put her in the line of danger right but her name is keeping her held back in a way that she hates yes but we do see that she is an incredible investigator yeah that she found she goes into this crime scene and then she plays it out exactly on how it happens she finds one of silko's guys hiding hiding with you know gunshot wounds and yeah. basically she She's the one who's putting everything together, and despite the fact that her superior is basically trying to muzzle the entire thing, yep. which is cool. I guess. Yeah, the, that whole thing is really cool. That it it shows because her character is kind of a non-entity for the first part, the first three episodes. She's this young girl who she's cute, but that's kind of all you've got. She's yeah. J- she's Jace's friend, which is great, but not not anything. Not anything. What it does do is give us an insight into why she's so isolated as an adult. Yeah. She considers herself to be an outcast anyway, but also it makes sense. I have notes on this later that we'll get into, but my my next note was uh, the the way that both cities have progressed, but in very different ways. Mm -hmm. Like Piltover is covered in Hextech and all of the advances that have come with it. And then you see Zahn, and Zahn has... Chemtech everywhere. Chemtech is everywhere, but it's also... I don't know, it's... it's, it's you know. It feels more industrial. It feels industrial. I was going to make the joke that it's uh, it's like every 16-year-old Hot Topic fan's like mm-hmm. wet dream. Yeah, it's uh, like Piltover <laughs> is a fucking Dillard's, if anybody knows what Dillard's is. Anymore. Anymore. And then Zahn is like... Early two thousands hot, hot topic. topic. Yeah, yeah. It's, just, it's, it's just it's got that aesthetic. Yeah, it's and I mean grungy. I don't hate it, but at the same time, there's just a certain degree where I'm sitting there, kind of laughing, just at how edgy Zon feels. Yeah, I mean, it's supposed to. I've, it makes sense. Like I'm not. Sense. I'm not trying to shit on the city of Zon. It's more no. of just. It's kind of funny when you think if you take that step back and look at it. It's the and it's more for the juxtaposition of the two cities next yeah. to each other. And absolutely, it, it definitely does make them very distinct. You know when you're in Zon and when you're in Piltover. Yeah, and I respect that. Like that's it's it's good visual story. I will always tout that this series has incredible visual storytelling. This is just a good element of that. At no point when you're in Zon do you ever feel like you're in Piltover or vice versa. Yeah. Which is good. My next note is that Silco is actually a surprisingly good dad to Jinx. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, like, the whole thing that I have heard some rumblings online that he's just this master manipulator who has her wrapped around his finger and he's... It's all a, a, a you know a lie. It's all a play just to keep her under his thumb. I don't see it. That, it okay, just, so I I originally thought 
that at first that he was just trying to manipulate her and whatever just because she is one of Anders' kids. But like as the story progresses, it becomes very hard to say. Yeah, he's he's really trying to fill in that father role for her, and he's like, yeah, just. Do what you want. You're fine. But even in like the 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 scene that I'm that we're coming into here is where uh, Savika shows up and is complaining. Yes. And he basically says to her in a very firm tone, "You were in charge. If it failed, it's on you." And she leaves. And then immediately his tone softens, and he asks Jinx is up in the rafters, and he says, "What happened?" Yeah. And it's just a totally different tone than he has with his subordinates. Yes. And you know she's being teenage daughter like you she already told you and then he says no i want to hear it from you which you know that's not something that some you know the 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 evil leader of you know the terrible organization would say to a subordinate no it's something that a parent would say to their child trying to get them to open up yeah to to say tell me what happened in your eyes well yeah and and then she says oh the one of the girls had, had pink hair and it what does he do instead of flipping out or getting mad he's just like oh it's, it's there's a lot of understanding coming yeah, from he, a man who seemed to be totally lacking empathy previously. Yeah, well, I mean, you you do see him like lose his shit on other people. Oh yeah, for like making little mistakes. for minor mistakes. Yeah, minor mistakes. Like yeah, I think he stomped a dude out later on. Yeah, he does later. In, it, yeah, well, I think we'll get to that a little later. But yeah, he like when Vi it's Vi and Caitlin getting away when they're in the, like the very very undercity. Yes, uh, after Vi knocked the whole sign. Yeah, like scaffolding building thing down he stomps a dude one of the people who he'd given the shimmer to they were pinned under the rubble and he is furious and he just stomps the yeah. head in. so like so. It, it it's interesting to see like at, at first yes i did think that silco was being manipulative um because it kind of just seems like the little sneaky guy he is but you can very quickly come to see that he does care about Jinx, yeah. like, a lot. Like, he yeah. he doesn't just think of her as Vander's child, she is his daughter. Yeah. And when he does be manipulative in some of the later episodes, you can kind of see he's being manipulative more because he doesn't want to lose her than yeah. that he's trying to keep control. Yeah. Because she has a lot of things that are totally out of his control, and he doesn't really... Uh, there, there's the... We'll get to the end of this episode four where she blows up the building and he's furious, but then she has the the hex, the perfect hex stone, and then he's not furious. So it's kind of a he kind of recognizes she does things that are out of his control. But ultimately, one, if she gets results, then sure, that's great. But also he was yelling at her, but he at no point did she seem afraid of him. And that tells you a big deal about their dynamic that even if he's mad at her. He's not. He didn't. He's not going to hurt her because with somebody like with her instability and her just vast degree of past family issues, I think if somebody was abusing her, she would not be embracing. Yeah, as 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 lax as she was, as lax and and as carefree as she was during that scene. Yeah. So there's just reading the small social cues. It definitely does seem like they are family to each other. Mm hmm. And have been for I want it's probably been what like six years at this point. Uh, I think it says like five years later. It's, it's like it's like, like five or six years. Yeah. yeah. So it's just it's one of those things that just really stands out to me. It's one of those things that makes Silco's character go from being the mustache twirling villain archetype he seemed to be to being a much more nuanced character. Mm-hmm. And I really like that. 
my next note is about how that Jace showing restraint and announcing his and Victor's work, <laughs> the mining equipment. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. It actually makes me respect him that he looked at, at it and Heimerdinger is definitely portrayed in kind of a negative light in a lot of ways throughout the show. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's points where they show that he, he might have a point. Well, points where he says he might have a point. Regardless, there, there's definitely a lot of... I won't say completely negative points about Heimerdinger or, or portrayal of him, but at the same time, it definitely seems like he's, you know, standing in the way of progress a lot. Yeah. It, but I don't know. It seems like with what he knows, he's probably got good reason. We just don't, because we don't know entirely, it definitely shows him as seeming like he's just being a contrarian, which I don't actually think he is. No. It, it also doesn't really help that Heimerdinger doesn't say like doesn't actually give us uh, a whole story. Yeah, about a whole it. story about why he's just trust me. This is bad because blah blah blah. Yeah, or I've lived long enough to see. Yeah, take my age as proof, which is not a great argument. No, which is kind of funny. Uh, that he's a, well, I guess he's a scientist, not uh, a debater. Yeah, because <laughs> like when they are. Going through this, I mean, all of the council members are old, but the one that's leading the council and Jace, how old do you think they are? Because this is five years later. Uh, so Jace has to be like, what, he's, 20? He's, he was 24, so if he, he's either 29 or 30. Yeah. So he's not a very old so dude. So they're like 30 or something. It, right. Most of them are, are fairly young, maybe some yeah. little middle, more middle-aged. but So people that age, they like, hey, I got an idea, and one thing I want to do is just do this. Yeah, and if for sure. Old person tells you that, and they oh, say, yeah. like, no, don't do it, because, I mean, trust me. Just trust me. I've, I've been through it. I've lived long like, enough to see it. No, I gotta see it with my own eyes. <laughs> oh, yeah. So. Uh, yeah, so just, but nevertheless, like, Jace taking that advice from Heimerdinger, and at the very least, understand, like, seeing that, yeah, we almost, you know, lasered Heimerdinger's little poro. His Poro, okay. I was gonna say his his little you know fuzzy animal friend, but nevertheless, like you know, they, there was room for improvement in their mining equipment to make it less likely to cause workplace incidents. Yeah. All things considered, their their showing was a little rough. So deciding, yeah, maybe we should we should try to make this a little more idiot proof was probably the right call. Yeah. I think it was the right I, call, and I respect that rather than just being the we're going to go forward at all costs type character wasn't in Jace's wheelhouse. Yeah. He's actually very much a measured character in a lot of ways, which makes me like him because he's a little more distinctive from that typical visionary character you see in a lot of stories who's just, you know, damn the costs, we're going to keep going and it's going to be great. And you know, usually they then face the cost of, yeah, maybe I should have listened to somebody else once or twice. At the same time, Jace is still making progress. He's somebody who just is willing to look at outside perspective and change his own perspective mm -hmm. to a degree based on the different viewpoints. And that seems very measured, like how a scientist would be. And considering that seems to be how he is portrayed, he is a scientist. That is his his profession and his, you could say, what describes him or what he even you know aspires to be. So... The fact that he has a very scientific response to other aspects of his life, it makes him a consistent character, and I like that. Yeah. The the one thing that 
makes me upset though is uh like after the whole entire speech that Jace did, Heimerdinger was nowhere to be seen. Oh yeah, that is one thing that he he just seemed to like disappear. Yeah, and you, you would think you could you could see the disappointment in Jace's face whenever he gives a speech and he's like, yeah, and we'll show it in the future when when it, the time is right. Yeah, we will show you when the time is right, as he says. And Heimerdinger was gone. Yeah, well, and Heimerdinger was like mad dogging him the entire time, and then he leaves. Yeah, before Jace is done. So it's just, and I know that. Mel, the the other counselor who is Jace's love interest, she leaves too because she's disappointed in him for not being the scientist, the person who just keeps going forward regardless yeah. of the cost. But I'm not disappointed in him for that. So I don't I don't know if Heimerdinger left because normally he's the one that gives a speech. Yeah, I don't know if the the pride was wrapped up uh, in it at all. Or I wish they would kind of just show like. I guess it just wasn't necessarily super important to the story, but it is just a thing that yeah, it's it's an an odd choice that almost seems a little out of character for him. But I don't know his character well enough to say that for sure. True. So, but regardless, my my next note has to do, which we talked about it a little already, but uh, Caitlin's isolation from her peers. Oh, since yeah, it, it goes into that where she's sitting around with the the other off duty enforcers, and they're all talking and. You know, they're talking about the, the dirigibles or the blimps or, you know, airships or whatever. And they're all kind of kind of mean to her. Yeah. When she's actually trying to engage in conversation with them. But it kind of is a thing that I've noticed and I've, I've heard pointed out to how isolated Caitlin really is. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you think about her name has isolated her. Because how yes. many people has she met throughout her life want to be her friend in air quotes because they want to take advantage of her name and her connections and and or you know hurt her family rather than just legitimate friends i can think of one person who is her legitimate friend and that is jace yeah which is kind of funny because he's already receiving her family's resources at least he was but it's just it's they, I don't think that Caitlyn had anything to do with that choice. I'm pretty sure that was her mom and her, maybe her dad making that choice. And then they just got to know each other. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they're, they, they're almost like, you know, brother and sister. And it's their relationship is cool. I, I like seeing the way they mess with each other. And just they, they have a, a fairly solid dynamic that other than when, the you know, Caitlyn gets blown up and he brings her flowers and she throws the flowers, which there are flowers everywhere for her. But just she gets very upset with him when he gives her the position with his security, which is understandable. Like you can see why she's upset because he's, but the reason I think that she's so upset with him is because he's playing the game. Yeah. He's, he's playing the game. Well, yeah, he's doing the whole entire politics thing. And admittedly though, he is a counselor now at that point. So he has been, he's been upgraded and we're getting a little ahead of ourselves, but still regardless, like it's a, a thing that he, I'm trying to look at it from both sides. I can see why she's upset, but I can also see that he's just somebody who tries to do the best he can with the the circumstances being what they are generally. Mm-hmm. So in this instance, he's trying to help his friend. Yeah. I, I legitimately think that he was doing his best to try to give her something, some way out, some, some means of not being under her parents' thumb um, to a degree, just because she, you know, she is trying so hard to not be, yeah, you okay. know, relying on the, her family's name for everything. I never really saw it as that. What I saw it as, Cause she's uh, well, she because she lost her job was one of the other things. She's she said he, he you know offers her the position uh, and yeah. she's like I have a job, thank you. And then he says, No, actually, you don't. Your parents talked to the the sheriff. So 
Yeah. I, that's why I say I think that Jace was just trying to give her an out. Okay. That was, if she was yeah. going to lose her job as an enforcer, then it's, you know, her parents are, you know, the, the jaws are closing in of them trying to get her back to following in whatever footsteps that they want her to do. And Jace was like, here's here's an out. Here's something I can I can give you as your friend. You will be the head of my security, which, yes, it's a desk job. But the way that she acts later on where she's using his authority, <laughs> it seems like uh, being his head of security doesn't have to be a desk job. No, no. So... I don't know. It's it's one of those things that where I look at it and see her isolation and then ultimately her whole relationship with Vi becomes that much more touching because you think about how isolated Vi it has been in prison as mm-hmm. well as just in general. She Vi has lost everybody she loves at that point too. So she has just been absolutely isolated for different reasons, but just this idea of they're polar opposites. Mm-hmm. And yet their their isolation, their loneliness almost helps bring them together mm-hmm. and they, they they find more that they can relate to between each other than that it goes against all that differentiates them and it's it's cute but it's also just a very nice romance yeah it's, it's very much you know the, the, the opposites attract which is all always entertaining just to see where the the friction arises between their viewpoints but at the end of the day you know they were both people who were so isolated from everybody around them and they found companionship in each other mm-hmm. my next unless you had something did you have anything more to add that no okay. uh. oh <laughs> my my next uh, note is just the council of piltover is amazingly incompetent with regards to how they handle relations with with the undercity yeah though i mean uh, they're not worried about because uh, the undercity yeah sure it is part of them but they are uh, they're all counselors with their own motives for sure for yeah. sure so the only thing that Undercity is to them is something to be exploited as far as it, I can Yeah, tell. something to be exploited. Like it's all the workers and stuff for like mining and all that. Just you so, know, just just the resources that go into everything they make. Yeah. But these guys they also have hands in other nations. In other markets, for sure. Like it's it's just one of those things that it, it blows me away that you have these people who are in charge of a city, the city of progress, no less. And they could not give two shits about half of their population. Yeah. It just, the way that they are, how authoritarian that they deal with the Undercity. And then they wonder why these people hate them. Yeah. Well, it just, it it amazes me how ignorant they are about that side of things to the point that they don't even think of them as people is almost the way that it comes across. True. And it, it just is astounding to me that these people were in charge I mean, not that that's a really huge leap from reality, but either way. So I guess that's most of what I had for. Or did you have something? Uh, no. I mean, the only thing I do have, it's not for episode four, but going back to what I said in our last episode about the hex crystals, uh-huh. the one that Jinx steals. Okay. So when I said like, oh yeah, I think it's from these people. Yeah. It. Turns out it is. Oh. Yeah. So, um, Jackson? Huh? Was it Braxton? Bracken. Bracken. Yeah. So, the fucked up thing about those, which I want them to explore more, but the fucked up thing about them is they're like memories of people in hibernation. Oh. Yeah. So, it, it it's the souls of people. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, that's dark. Yeah. So, that, that little scorpion thing that I showed you, uh-huh. he has the largest crystal. 
and he hears every single Hextech item. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I want to know on how Jace is getting all these crystals. Yeah, you do wonder who his source is. Who's his source? Where is where is he finding all these crystals? Because it only comes from one specific place. From this land. one specific place? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So... So my previous question of where is Jace getting these crystals is actually a more pertinent one than yeah. it seems. Interesting. And, yeah. And it and depressing. Also, yeah, so the, the souls of uh, of people were used to kill Vi's family. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> That's terrible. So I don't really have a note on it, but I guess we're roughly at the point where Jinx blows up the building, which is terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we have... The, you know, she steals the stone. We talked a bit about how Silco is furious as she's messing around, and then he is yelling at her and comes in and then and turns like, the music off. And Look, I got the stone. And he's like, do you have any idea what you've done? And yes, actually, I do. And she gives him the stone, and suddenly he's not pissed at her anymore. Oh, I, I do have something to say about that scene, though. I believe it is that scene. She's messing with the stone, right? I think so. No, no, never mind. No, not yet. So. No, she was making her, her bombs, I think, right. is what she was working on there. So, yeah, that's a later episode. Yeah, later on, the, she, she's figuring out the hex tech. Yeah. All right, never mind. We can... <laughs> we'll hold on to that for the moment. Yeah, I'll hold on to that for later. But then after that is where we got. So, all of that happens, and then we have the whole bit of the council being so terrible with dealing with, with Zahn. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jace is promoted. And then my next note after that is getting into episode five, I believe which has to do with Caitlyn doing the shooting contest. Right. And it's interesting. Like, I, we're definitely bouncing around, but that's how it goes when we're doing notes bit by bit from episodes. But I liked how it sort of showcased her once again, how isolated Caitlyn is, where the party is happening. She's won the competition. Her parents are in the center of the party talking about, oh, your dad's got the gun and like all of that. And where is Caitlyn? Outside. Outside with the only other person, which is Grayson, which... Shout out to Grayson. She's an awesome character. Uh, this definitely gave a lot more insight into her character, where she she let Caitlyn win, but it was more of she thought Caitlyn deserved it, that Caitlyn had shot well, and that for her, it was more about keeping her skills sharp. Yeah. That her, for her, the rifle was a means to protect the city rather than a means for winning glory or anything else. So for her, it was, yeah, this little girl, she shot really well. She should win. And that's cool. And then she even, you know, is sort of that that inciting force that caused Caitlyn to become an enforcer, even, where she asks, what are you shooting for? Which is an oddly double meaning, but... <laughs> there's a pun in there somewhere i think what are you shooting for but nevertheless like, it's it's just a good little insight into what made caitlin into the person that she is as an adult and i like it yeah and then of course we end up with ultimately caitlin goes to the prison meets vi because she was trying to find the dude who, mm-hmm. who vi broke his jaw and she vi is just absolutely abrasive and totally unhelpful. But then you find out in you know within a short period of that scene of why Vi is the way that she is, that she's been beaten and abused the entire time she's been in prison. And I mean, that's just, we don't know just how bad it was. All we know is it was terrible. And she's just reached that point of being blasé about it, but it's, it's really tragic. I, like, what the hell, what the hell is that officer's name? 
the big dude? No, the not the big dude. Not the big dude at the prison. The guy that tries to like hush Caitlin about. Oh, so the sheriff, Marcus. Yeah, Marcus. Uh, Marcus fucking sucks. <laughs> I mean, we definitely had our conversation oh last my episode God. about did, how bad he is. Did did we talk about how, or did we say anything about how his way of protecting Vi was to take her to prison? Well, you said that, and then I said, but it was more like made his career oh because they needed the God. like Piltover needed their pound of flesh. I guess. So, so he, I mean, he's saying shh, it's gonna be okay as he's drugging and taking her away. Yeah. It, 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 it smell this chloroform. <laughs> Here, does this smell like chloroform? Like, oh, it's terrible. It's just one of those things that, yeah, he's he's not not a good character. He's not a, he's not a good, and I hate it. I Which, hate it. it is funny, because my next note actually has to do with him, and it was just that him becoming a father has made him a more sympathetic character. Uh, I'm not saying he's a good person. I'm no, not saying anything else. Uh, but it's, it's just, just showing, at, just at showing least, that he's human, at that least. It, at the very least, he is, yeah. he is capable of looking at another person and... He's capable of love, which is funny because it's kind of the sim- similar vein to Silco. But I like Silco so much better. Silco's better than this guy because that guy's just a... Mm. Also, Silco doesn't make any attempts to be anything other than what he is. Yeah. Like, Silco wears this, this guy's he is, a snake. He, oh, yeah. Marcus is a traitor. He, he's... Well, yeah, I guess you could, you he, could he's say he's a traitor. He's a traitor. Or at the very least, he's somebody who sold his soul and is still... Tr- he's trying to maybe get it back, but he's not doing very well. No. And at the on the flip side of it, Silco knows exactly what he is. Yeah. He knows he is not a good person. But he doesn't care. He has True. a goal. Yeah. And now he has a daughter. So it's kind of a he's found something to care about more than the goal. But regardless of that, like, yeah, Marcus, him becoming a father made him into a character where at the very least, you don't entirely hate him because you're like, oh, OK, he's found something to care about. That's cool. His daughter's cute. Like, whatever. He's trying. To, you can see that he's conflicted. He's he's growing as a person. He's just not growing very fast. And he's not, <laughs> he's got <laughs> an insurmountable wall to climb to ever be anything other than a shit person but yeah it's just one of those things where he he goes from being this just absolutely completely 100% trash person to a 99% trash person i don't know it, in in my head he's still like wearing wife beaters and chugging down monsters i mean i'm just that's <laughs> why i say it's only it's only a one percent difference oh. if you look at something a pile of trash that is 99 percent trash and, and you one, put a bow on and one percent not what is it still trash <laughs> exactly so i'm not saying he becomes a better character at all it's just that at the very least he becomes a little more sympathetic yeah and being a sympathetic character does not make a person good it just means that you can look at them and say okay at the very least, I can understand them. Yeah. I don't like them. Yeah. I don't. I don't like Marcus at all. I, I. He's not a character who would ever be in. You know, even in my top hundred characters of Arcane, he would not make the list. I don't even know if there are a hundred named characters in Arcane, but he still would not make the list. Nope. I. I, I, I like... would put the Gimp Yordle from the brothel scene <laughs> before <Yeah>. Marcus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's see. Moving, moving on from our <laughs> shitting, shitting all over the sheriff. Oh, the next scene, which funny enough still has Marcus in it, but is uh, it's at the hex gates. It's Victor and Jace, and Jace is talking about all of these things, and Victor's like, "Jace, we're scientists. What are you doing?" And then he coughs up the blood as Jace oh, is, yeah, and is goes- laying into the the into into Marcus about the fact that all of the shipping manifests are fucked. But 
Yeah, Victor goes fucking into the Twilight Zone. Yeah, he, he's like, whoa, ma- magic. So, uh, yeah, and then he's like, brain blast. Brain blast magic isn't just one thing, it moves. Yeah, it's, it's one it's so, like you gotta. And so I have this note here that is the arcane seems to need blood as a vector to basically to invade almost like it inv- it seems like it kind of invaded victor's yeah. mind uh, that- the the one thing i do all right so i know very little about league lore uh-huh. well more that, than i do but i know more than most but i i wish they would talk about or give some insights about this event called the rune war which is why so many people are they don't trust magic i have heard that basically it destroyed a nation it destroyed a nation yes like that is a thing that i've heard that that makes people hate magic is that it has literally caused like a nation to vanish off the face of the planet so that wizard in the beginning he has a big part in something with the rune war you were so cool rise why (laughs) well unless unless there's some justification i don't know because once again i don't know enough about it to i I think his nation was the one destroyed maybe well that's i mean i do not yeah i don't know i don't have that much like knowledge of rise i just know he's just covered in runes and blah blah but there are things out in the world it has cool hex magic or rune magic yeah cool there's things out in the world called runes and nations were fighting over it and it destroyed a whole nation sucks to suck yeah so i wish they would talk about or at least give some insight like hey we don't trust magic because magic destroyed a nation hey heimerdinger tell us the story stop saying it's just because i'm old tell us the story tell the story like why what caused you to miss like the whole entire invading like the whole entire thing where you're saying where you said like it's invading his mind so or yeah i mean do do we want to have our discussion on the arcane at this point because i've wanted to talk about it with you because i have an idea yeah with regards to what it is that uh basically it seems to me like that the magic is alive that magic is like this force that exists outside of reality that is just it has a will of its own and it is trying to get in okay yeah so we've been talking about our we've been talking about this show like outside of doing the podcast uh just because i've been writing this show's high for a while i've been True. looking into league lore like crazy uh shout out to league of lore heads if you guys want to know more about league go listen to their podcast but there's piltover and zon are just two cities and because it's so condensed i think it makes or focused it, maybe well so there are big ass nations. Yeah, I'm just. I, I've, like, yeah, I've, I've shown you the map of. Yeah, of of Rune Terra. Of Rune Terra and how big it is, but it's just the two cities. Because we're so hyper focused on them, we're not seeing. Yeah, you the, can, the, the wider world. Yeah, and, you can you can make a great story out of whatever is there. Right. Rather than going, hey, in this town, blah blah. blah yeah. In this town, blah blah. blah. Yeah. Which, I mean, it, what it does is you do is leave them open to make stories about all of these different places yeah, there's, at different points. And I hope they do. Like, yeah. The world seems fascinating. It seems like it's got a very deep, rich story and lore. That, but we know nothing about it. They're rewriting this whole entire lore as, like, which, as time goes on. Which, which is, could be exciting. I, I it guess. is. So, especially if they're seeing where they had faults or, or, you know, plot holes or anything along those lines and kind of shoring up those, those holes or places that needed a little bit of uh, extra plaster on the walls yeah so the whole entire thing of like where is this magic coming from i do not know mm. i do not have an answer we know that what i know is there are runes which we if you look up the rise cinematic uh he's grabbing them and you see the town getting destroyed mm-hmm. we watched that together we did but there's also mount targon which 
if you climb to the highest point, you become an aspect of whatever, and you gain magic powers from the cosmos. That's cool. So there's outer space people. You go into Shurima, where because of the knowledge that they got from the cosmos, the Shuriman people built a sun disk to where they could raise people to become demigods. That's where Zahn came from, right? The, we uh, talked about yeah. that in the last episode, that yeah. there was the, the, the origin of the name Zahn for the, the city is also yeah. based on yeah. a, a, was an aspect, is that what you called it? Or a, it, an arisen? Or, or no, uh, Emperor of Zahn. Ah. Yeah, or something like that. Or Emperor of Shurima. Or Shurima, yeah. His name, their name was Zahn something. And then we got the Void, which is like Lovecraftian stuff. You stare That's into it. it, and it stares back into you. Yeah, pretty much. And you got the Watchers in the north of the Freyord that there are gods keeping at bay. I wanted to make a Game of Thrones of the, <laughs> the, the Watchers on the Wall reference. Um, There's... Oh my. We are the Night's Watch. Yeah, so like... <laughs> now our watch begins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the one blind one blind person is keeping at least a watcher at bay. Good on them. I eh, she's a piece of shit. Oh, oh. IMO. Same with a couple characters, but I mean, and then and then we we go into like Ionia, which is more of like I don't know Asia. I guess it encompasses encompasses the Orient, but you get like spirit magic and stuff, which is where like cause I know I know of Ari as a character. Yeah, so Ari, She's like a, a nine-tailed fox type deal, yes. or a kitsune. Yeah, I um, like I, I've seen characters from the, the the game, but I just my my knowledge and context is absolutely minimal. So it's just one of those things where I was I would see stuff from it and be like this all seems very disconnected so this is just kind of almost theme park world where we've got people from this sort of culture and that sort of culture and we'll just throw them into an arena and let them fight it out was yeah. kind of the perspective i had but if it's all got very deep rich lore and you know the world is, is vast which it is then i'm down to learn about all of it so give me more especially yeah. if it's the arcane team doing it and they're writing and they're just direction i'm in i i, I want to fucking know I want to know so bad because like so many, even, even if it just goes to like some, something like, I don't know, the Freyord. Okay. We got comics from the Freyord about how one of the war mothers up there came to power. Ash, like what's the story with the bird, the ram and the bear gods? I, I don't know. Yeah. But I would love to find I, out. About I, it. Yeah, I want to I want to find out about it. So I hope that they <sighs> go into a wider yeah. world eventually. Yeah, I, uh, that's all I really want. But <laughs> on the note of, of like my theory on the arcane, it does seem like at least this particular magic is invasive. Like it wants to to make things suitable for itself. Yes. As we see later with regards to Victor, where his body is being changed. It just seems like this is a, a thing that has its own sort of invasive goals that it will allow its power to be used potentially without consequence per se as we've seen with a lot of the hex tech it doesn't seem like it's you know necessarily paying the, the you know, there's not really a cost required apparently other than the souls of people as you've just so told me now but regardless of that like it just seems like there is this this invasive desire from 
it that it and we see it later on with Victor as well where it like he can't destroy the hex core. Yeah. After he has fed it, well, fed it a person, but also as he after he's fed it his blood a number of times after so it seems like as soon as you start it's, it's gonna, I'll make a gremlins reference. As soon as you start feeding it after midnight, it suddenly becomes a whole different beast. Yeah. And it's like it's hungry and it wants more and it, it wants its will imposed on the rest of the world. I mean, it could be something such as like the crystal is actually a person or actually a creature. Right. So it's angry that it's being used as a tool by humans. That's fair. Which I guess then it wanting to have its will played out by those same humans would then make yeah. sense. And like Victor in game. He's very different, isn't he? He's very different. He is more cyborg like. But what he says is, like, progress over power. I, I'm quoting that wrong, probably, but it's always, like, innovation. So he is... We must adapt. He is that character who is just going to keep going regardless of the consequences. Yeah, he's... he's. You saw hints of that with regards to when Jace was giving the speech, and he didn't announce their mining equipment to the world. But, well, it was more about the perfect, like, the, the, the stabilized Hexstone, I think, more than the necessarily the mining equipment that Victor was disappointed in him not showing off. But regardless of that, it does definitely seem like Jace has a bit more caution than Victor. Yeah. Even in the show, or in the show, which is what I'm going off of. But yeah, there definitely does seem to be that, which I like with the show that the reason that they have Victor pushing in that way seems to be because he's dying. Yeah. And he knows he's dying. He, if, it's all about a legacy. Yeah. He doesn't. If, if not, if he doesn't do it now, when's he ever going to? He won't to? be able to. He's, yeah. he's running out of time. And so him being that way makes more sense. And it, it's more sympathetic, I guess, going to yeah. that idea than just, no, we have to do it for progress. It's more like, I don't have time. I've yeah. got to get, I've got, we've got to do something. I, I, I want to leave my mark. And yeah. Who hasn't had that thought that once you're gone, that's it. That you, you, you know, if you have not left your mark, then who's going to remember you? Mm-hmm. He, he was just some po' boy from the Undercity. Which, I mean, if the, if that doesn't lead into a, a reference to one of my favorite stories of all time, which is One Piece, where you had the great Dr. Hero Luke, who, as he's dying, says, when does a man die? When he eats the poison brought to him? When he's shot dead? When he blows himself up? No, a man dies when he is forgotten. Yeah, and so, yeah. So I, I, I can look at that and be like, yeah, Victor does not want to be forgotten. He wants to leave his mark. And as things stand, he doesn't feel like he's made a significant enough difference to have left his mark. So I I understand why he's doing the things he's doing, even if some of them seem like very questionable decisions down the line. But then I also think some of those questionable decisions aren't entirely his own as he's, you know, doing the experimenting on himself with the shimmer and the the hex core. It seems like as soon as he started, his blood got fed to, you know, into the magic that that it almost because it, it seems like that the there's almost more like a collective consciousness from the, the hex stones because the hex gate, you know, he had the blood coughed up and he started getting the visions of the hex core. And that almost seems like that's where it started to influence him. Yeah. And then he what, I think he cough up blood, I think that happens and then it gets fed into it and it, and it changes colors. The, the hex core as soon as his blood gets offered to it, it changes colors to more purple. Yeah. And so it just seems like like there's a degree of that just the arcane itself is influencing him. 
to do some of the things that he is doing. Yeah. That's kind of where my theory lied, was just, it seems like it is almost a malignant being that, or consciousness, or, you know, this force. Yeah. That is invasive and is trying to have its will done. Yeah. As, as soon as you, and as soon as you offer your blood to it, you have given it an in to you. Yeah. I mean, I, I want to say like, yeah, it's trying to tell him like, Hey, I'm alive. Like, which is fair. I mean, if like, especially if, since we don't know for sure, if that's the canon they're going to go with for the show, that it's still just a thing of like, Holy crap. It's just seems like every time I see it, the, the arcane just seems very sinister. Yeah. It seems like it is this force that is not not necessarily benevolent in any way, especially after it eats a woman. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> and and it just seems like there's a degree of compulsion for Victor. Like after his blood has been sort of given to it that it has gained uh, almost it's funny that you mentioned the void being very Lovecraftian because I was even thinking the arcane seems kind of Lovecraftian. It's subtly influencing and manipulating Victor to do these things. No, and we, then, have, we have yet to see... Full Lovecraft, like Cosmic Horror, I'm sure, yeah. is a thing that will come. But nevertheless, like you can kind of see what I mean, though, right? That it just does seem like it's a very subtle mental manipulator at first, and then as he's feeding more blood into it, that it is doesn't have to be subtle anymore. That it is gaining control over him. Where yeah. After it eats... What was her name? It was the assistant. I can't remember her name. I feel terrible for her. Sky. Her name was Sky. That he is he tries to pick up the stool to smash the hex core and he can't and then he you know goes to walk away and then like there's a a light that runs across his whole body into his head and then he just collapses it's just kind of a yeah this doesn't look good it's kind of oh that's uh that's portentous the the arcane seems to be not not your friend so yeah that's kind of my whole arcane theory was just that it is this conscious force that is trying to have its will done and is trying to basically get in it is trying to invade it's as soon as you give it a means to invade it's going to take advantage yeah so all right i'm looking at skarner's page to see if i could get anything from the bracken like why they're in the crystals uh-huh. they went so his kin were known for their deep connection to the land blah blah, blah and their souls are fused with the life crystals so the hex crystals and they went to a slumber avoid magical destruction oh yeah so maybe who knows maybe people are awake (laughs) or victor awoke one of them yeah with giving them their blood or his blood and saying like oh maybe i'm gonna take control of you i don't know i don't know i there's not enough information but it just seems i i've drawn what conclusions i that seemed i don't know possible to me Mm-hmm. from the show but uh yes moving on to my next note it has to do with uh jinx playing the boxing game in, oh, yeah. in the fun house that she's still chasing her sister's shadow <sighs> uh and it's it's <sighs> it's so interesting to me too because she's definitely improved in her hand-to-hand uh-huh. but she doesn't beat her sister's score no and it just goes to show that no matter how hard she has tried to to capture and be what her sister was her strengths are not there. Mm. And I like that. Just that they show that at the end of the day, no, she is not Vi. She doesn't have Vi's sort of character strengths or her, her particular skill set. And mm. 
even the way that she did the boxing. You know, she's kicking. She's very much mixed martial arts singing. And she's like flailing at it. At points me, for yeah. sure. Although it does seem like she's improved. Yeah. With I mean, she got the second score. So she beat young Clagger and Milo, which I mean, Milo's probably not a big deal to beat. But Clagger seemed like he was pretty solid. I mean, he did take on two dudes at once. Yeah. So it just is kind of interesting, though, that she's not terrible at hand to hand, but it's just not her specialty. Yeah. I got one thing I want to ask because it starts showing up more and more after that scene. What do you think the crow, do you think the crow was significant at all? Um, I mean, other than the fact that it is sort of the animal that is associated with her. Do you see that a little later on uh, on the bridge when she and Echo are having their showdown? There's a point where he's charging at her and it's sort of like the very stylized scene. He has the, the firelight, the firefly bug, and she has the raven behind her. So that's the thing where I was just kind of like, is it just a, a stylistic thing or just very much, you know, they're, they're building that association that you think of raven when you think of Jinx? Possible. I don't know enough about the lore to you know, to see if maybe there is a bit that is sort of portentous or that you know the raven has a, a significance in the world of Runeterra, but it does with one character, mm-hmm. which makes me wonder if we're if the story's gonna shift to a different place to Demacia mm-hmm. afterwards, or if we're gonna see more people from Demacia show up later. Cause it almost seems like someone from Demacia is keeping an eye on her. Huh. Yeah. Uh, watching like how unstable the Undercity is and how it is starting to become its own thing from Piltover. Demacia is all about taking advantage of. Uh... No, it well, it's all about like expanding, but their whole entire thing. Well, is... I was going to say taking advantage of that divisiveness. Yeah. Or it, the weakness of an. Yeah. An, and an any, or... anybody can be great by Demacia's way of thinking anybody could be great you could be a slave and rise through the ranks Mm -hmm. just as long as you help us expand Ah. yeah that's the whole entire thing so so to a degree silco would almost be welcomed by them but at the same time he's a little too ambitious i think so yeah i mean i think (laughs) i think silco is just he's just more focused on his group yeah but yeah whenever because the crows keep showing up around jinx and the I mean, only she, thing does, I, she does shoot the one in the funhouse. Yeah, she shoots the one in the funhouse, and the only thing I think of is, man, that. I wonder if they're gonna show more of Demacia because in is that where what, what the episode, Amazon Queen is? From? Yeah, what episode does she come in? in? Oh, seven or eight, I think. Really? Yeah, she's she's in the last third. Oh damn! Yeah, well. I'm pretty sure she's in the last third. We'll see if we get to her in my notes at all. <laughs> yeah. But I'm pretty sure, yeah, she's in the last third. Because the the mom says that we're in trouble. Right. Getting a little ahead, but yeah. Yeah. That her brother is dead. Her brother is dead. So the character associated with Crows and League is known as the Tyrant. Yeah. So I'm, I'm in, I don't know. I don't know if it's just them trying to depict Jinx as wherever she goes, death follows possible there's gonna be a murder that she is just yeah. a harbinger of death and and just and a jinx you know, yeah she is bad luck which ravens are generally associated with bad luck yeah. depending on which culture you're talking about or if since you know norse mythology it's all ravens are a good thing because they're odin's watchers hugin and moonin yeah or if it's this character from demacia spying on the undercity yeah. well, like seeing hey this person is 
stirring up some shit. I see that. I'm going to continue to follow her. Let, let's keep an eye on this one. Yeah. She's got, she could be useful. <laughs> she's got blue hair. She's got protagonist hair. She's yeah. <laughs> her hair color is different. <laughs> Have you ever heard the joke about JoJo's? Where they're like, oh no, there's an enemy stand user around. <laughs> and like they look around, there's it's all the normally dressed with people. Pink hair. <laughs> there's one dude who's like posing and like all like crazy over the top. And yeah. it's like, I wonder who the stand user could be. <laughs> it's just. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, uh, my next note is. Unless, did you have anything else about nope. the Raven? Okay. So my next note was just the opposites attract involved in Vi and Kate's relationship is enjoyable to watch. Yep. Like, they're, they're, the, the development of their relationship is just cute. Yeah. And it's it's just great. I don't know. Yeah, the, the whole entire thing of whenever they go to the brothel. Yeah. And, you just, and then Vi grabs uh, the guy. him. Yeah. I think his name was... Something like that. Yeah, the the guy wearing a mask walking down the hallway. Yeah. And she's like, hey, my name's Matilda. She was like, but... Her name's whatever you want, or, yeah. or, or he, she's like introducing her as Matilda, yeah. but you can call her whatever you want. And Caitlin is immediately just, which I will also say, just the whole bit of Caitlin coming into a brothel and you know being her innocent eyes being opened is hilarious and adorable. Yeah, they're then, walking past the room and then like she's looking and they walk by and then she like looks back in. Yeah, <laughs> and it's just and then Vi even says, "Well, this is you know one thing where we're seeing like." This is most likely a love interest between Vi and Kate because Vi asked her, guy or girl, yeah. what will be, what will it be, Buttercup or Cupcake? Cupcake. And then Caitlin's like, I don't know. And then, and then she comes out. Vi she comes out. Vi comes she, out after talking to the mistress, the, or, the Yordle mistress yeah. or brothel madam. And she sees Caitlin very comfortably chatting with a girl. Yeah. And then she kind of has that like. Oh, yeah. moments of, oh, she likes girls. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's just the the whole romance between them is, like, I won't say it's subtle, but at the same time, it's just not thrown in your face to the point of being obnoxious. Yeah. It is a wonderful subplot. Yeah. It, As you're there going through these terrible events together, it's just, it's one of the little nice light points of seeing them sort of the 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 rough edges coming off of both of them as they become a better team, as they come to trust each other and just, you see that the spark grow and then you kind of can't help, but be rooting for them the entire time because they are just, they're a wonderful pair that total opposites, but they, they play off of each other so well. They have good strengths that are synergistic. Yeah. And it's just, I don't know, it's a delight. It is a delight to watch. And, like, the whole time, you're just sitting there like, okay, now kiss. Yeah. And it's not even like the, oh, you know, you're shipping them type deal, which you kind of are, I guess. But at the same time, it's just, you see it all together. You see the way that they are. And it's just like, okay, the, 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 the tension is there. The romantic tension is there. You guys have done, you know, nearly died for each other. It's okay. You can kiss. It's good. It'll be good. It'll be great. You both need it. Like that's kind of yeah. like, by the end of it, you're just like you both need it. Just just kiss already. And I swear to God, Riot, if you make them both straight, you guys are cowards. You guys are fucking cowards. You make it those just, two kiss. God damn it. it. It wouldn't make sense at this point. Like they they were way the, the tenderness that they show each other is way too romantic. Yeah. As well as just. Like, we're getting very far ahead here, but just after Vi has tried to end things, 
and Caitlin's in the shower thinking about it, and she's she has that very much that <laughs> oil like, and water, and water, water. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's maybe almost a, it's it's towing the line of melodrama, but it, it never reaches that level. I don't think. Yeah. But but nevertheless, you just you see her where she's like shaking her head and like you know biting her lip, like no, I'm not gonna let this go. Yeah. And so yeah, it's just it's great. I I really did enjoy that dynamic between them, and it was done so naturally in the story. That at no point was I ever like, wow, this feels forced. It was always just like, no, this this, this feels right. This was, yeah, it, 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 it was a great, just great storytelling. I don't know how else to say it. Let's see. Oh, <laughs> my next one was funny because we're coming back to Marcus. But was the I, I asked this to you while we were watching the show, too. But why does no one ever question Sheriff Marcus going to the Undercity so often? Because it's like in almost every episode in like these mid ones. He's down there. He's going down there to talk to Silco. And it's just like, why does nobody ever question? Maybe. I mean, like, I know that Grayson went down there, but at the same time, she had reason to go down there because of the investigation. He's down there a lot. He's just down there a lot. He goes down there to talk to Silco about like fucking relationship problems. It seems like. I just, I don't know. It just seems like his, his corruption was... Although I guess then then again the rest of the of the council and everybody else is corrupt as fuck too. So they are. Yeah. So maybe they just are like, yeah, he's fine. He's just doing whatever. He's doing his job. Yeah. And then realize later on, oh wow, he betrayed us. Oh. I can't believe what did they have to offer? <laughs> it's just, <laughs> what the hecky? What the hecky's going on Why here? Why would he go down there for stuff? We've got so much better stuff up here. It's like, dude. <laughs> I, I, yeah, that's just one of those things where it's like, wow, you people are really that far up your own asses. Once again, we're getting into later episodes. We'll we'll come back to it and we'll still t- we'll sh- shit talk the council more. So, uh, my next note was, oh, Mel and Jace's romance actually seems legit. Yeah, it does. Because um, she's, you know, at the very beginning, she seems very much like she was. Ironically, of the being people being manipulators, she definitely seemed more of the manipulator than Silco. Just re- you know, yeah. with regards to things. But I do think there is a genuine affection that developed between the two of them. And it's one of those things, too, where I think of with Mel that she very much grew up in a place where power dynamics were everything. Mm-hmm. The way that I mean, when you see the Amazon mommy later that she's fucking terrifying. It's one word for two, but very much about you, know, you, you stand on top. Yeah. And with Mel not being an Amazon, uh, she does not seem the type who's going to stand physically above everybody so she had to rely on her brain mm-hmm. and that very quickly leads you to being a manipulator to try to manipulate whatever's going on into your favor yeah it all makes sense I, it's a thing that well most every character's motivations in this show make sense very rarely do you ever encounter anybody I, that i can think of that you're like why are they doing that so you, know, you can you get enough insight into mel's story that you understand why she is the person she is but you also do see that she seems like somebody who wants to find somebody she doesn't have to manipulate. Yeah. And so when she does find that with Jace, you do see that who she really is, I guess you could say, does shine through. And I don't know. It's cute. It's kind of, it's oddly wholesome. Like their, their romance, their romance. Well, I'm not like, you know, jumping for joy the way that I do with Caitlin and Vi just, but it's also just a matter of, I like Caitlin and Vi's characters more. Yeah. So I, I find them to be a more entertaining pair to watch. Mel and Jace are great. They're good characters. I'm just like, yeah, cool. Go, you guys go have your have your cool relationship <laughs> you guys, thing. Like, you guys do it. Do your politics things. And it's just like, yeah, go go go. Cut, go Kate and Vi. <laughs> you guys kick some ass. 
Let's see. We already talked about the hex core absorbing blood, so we're not going to worry about that. So then we also have uh, the whole scene with Silco basically baptizing Jinx. Oh, yeah. It's oddly wholesome. Yeah. Like, no. his, his whole bit with that, like, he does seem like it's all just a bid to help her accept who she is. Yeah. It, like, it, you you can't change how you think. Like, um, he's a, he's incredibly supportive uh, of her. Yeah. I, and I mean, like, I know that he, what he's supporting isn't necessarily, you know, good. Like, she she really needs a therapist. Let's be honest. Yeah, she, she does. But do therapists really exist in Runeterra? No, probably not. Probably not. Maybe in Piltover. Maybe up if you're, you know, really rich. But even then, I kind of, you know, with the way Piltover is, I kind of question how uh, helpful a yeah. therapist from there would be. But, but just... All things considered, him trying to get her to accept herself for who she is yeah. is not a bad thing, especially as a parent Yeah, for your kid. He is so supportive of her. And yeah, you can make the argument all day that she, she's a fucking murderer and like she does all of these terrible things. And, you know, there's definitely plenty to be criticized about who she is. But at the same time, as a parent, and if you're in a weird villainous way totally fine with all of the murder and other things telling your child you know that it's okay to be who they are is not not bad advice to me i don't know it seems no like it, i it's, mean it's what it seems every, like most, every kid most parent would, yeah would want it, it's what most kids need to hear yeah and yeah it's just an oddly wholesome scene for who is supposed to be the air quotes villain because i i still hold that the council is kind of worse than yeah i always well, the very the very least they seem to be the source of more of the trouble there's silco there's, is a symptom yeah like he is somebody who they created through their incompetent management of zon yeah so once again i don't like support silco's choices his villainous ways are not a thing that I'm, you know, on his side about. I just can look at it and understand why he is the way he is. Yeah, that, I mean, watching that scene the second time around made me actually say, like, "Hey, Silco is actually a really good dad." He's a good dad. It's really weird. Like, it's, it's weird. It's, it's so weird. I like watching it the first time. I'm like, man, fuck this guy. He's manipulative. Blah blah. blah. And then after I completed the series, I watched it again and getting to that scene, I was like, no, it's, it's, you know what? it's oddly wholesome. It, it is a yeah. scene that he, oh, his voice actor kills it too. I will, yeah. it will say, I mean, the animation team also kills it, but yeah, his voice actor just kills it because yeah. he is so good at being sinister when he needs to be, but also having those very tender moments and just the way that he, he shifts his voice yeah, the way that Silco talks to Jinx is not the way Silco talks to anybody else. And he, the voice actor is, I don't know his name and I feel bad, but is so talented that he can make that distinction and make it very obvious if you're paying attention. Yeah. My last note for this section of notes, which I still have more for four to six, it's just, if you remember, my, I ran out of room in my phone's note thing, is uh, a great one, which is that Vi's flying knee to Savika's face is art. Oh shit! Yeah, <laughs> that is just one of one of my favorite bits. Is just you see Savika playing cards, and then just Vi comes out from the side and just comes in and hits just, her with a boonsuk <laughs> knee. Just the boonsuk knee to the face, and uh it's so great. And then my next note is just that the whole fight between them, the subsequent fight, is so good. Yeah, like, it's just there's so much so much clean action for a brawl. You have the whole bit where Vi like hooks her arm under and like uppercuts her and just like just all of the choreography is so good. And 
And then, well, um, Savika burns Vi's face with her shimmer arm. Yeah. Which is... And, uh, and then Vi loses that fight, too. And Caitlyn saves her, which is a nice, nice touch that helps their sort of partnership dynamic grow where... Yeah, because Caitlyn gives up her gun to go That's get... Well, that's later, because that, that's... Uh, Savika does stab yeah. her in the gut, but Caitlyn shoots the, the shimmer right. in her shoulder, and then <laughs> the two subsequent bullets also hit the same shoulder. <laughs> Which was where I made the joke, like, Caitlyn, you're a crack shot. Stop shooting the same shoulder. Stop. <laughs> Don't... I mean, she's making sure that the weapon's gone. I suppose. It's just one of those things where if she just shot her in the head, then I think that the, the weapon would have been or taken. Or shot care. her leg. Yeah, well, I mean, that's one of those things. Make her that... not move. Yeah, although, depending on... Do you, do you know how much blood is in your legs at one time? It's like a huge portion of your body's blood is in your legs at a time. Oh. So it's one of those things where when people say, oh, shoot them in the leg. Shooting somebody in the leg is not non-lethal. There are so many arteries you uh-huh. can nick and they'll bleed out in seconds. It's uh, it's one yeah. of those things that is, you know, in popular fiction. Yeah, a leg wound, it will just immobilize somebody. But no, there's a lot of oh. ways you can kill somebody by wounding the leg. Yeah, if I remember right... There's like a statistic from the old West that more people died of extremity injuries than they did of gut shots. Huh. That you are actually more likely to live if you took a shot to the torso than you were to live if you took one to the arm or the leg. I'd have to actually go back and look to make sure of that, but that is a thing that I do remember hearing about and being blown away that that was a thing. I yeah, I would have to look it up just to be sure. But huh. but yeah, it was just a thing that apparently you were a little more likely to survive. <laughs> it was just yeah it's one of those little facts that i remember coming across and thinking it was really odd that but i i, and I don't remember exactly why it might have been inf- having to do with infection it might have been because people would think that it wasn't as big of a deal and but it, yeah I, don't, I would have to hmm. yeah D- don't you know don't take me for that my word definitely look into it before you go around telling other people that but <laughs> Just a thing that I, I, I remember having come across before. Oh, so coming back to Silco was just his panic when he finds out that Vi is out. Yes. And that she's alive even, but that she's out is interesting because it just kind of goes to that idea of if he was just a manipulator, he'd be like, damn, I'm going to have to throw away Jinx now. Whereas he actually he's legitimately like scared, like scared, I'm going like, my... to lose my daughter. Yeah. Like she's going to immediately go to her sister. And you said, yeah, it, it's one of those things that just stands out to me and where he's very much attached to his daughter mm-hmm. or to Jinx, who he has just embraced as his daughter. Oh, and Jinx being an asshole to the bartender. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that was a good little bit. It is a good bit, although it's uh, my note is just that it shows that her personality is kind of twisted, even in non-violent situations yeah that she's just other than being kind of an you could say an incorrigible trickster if you're being nice about it but she's just kind of an ass i also (laughs) like that the bartender or during that scene the bartender pulls out her favorite cup true yeah there is that bit and she's playing with the hex stone which is kind of gross when you think about that apparently it's somebody's soul that she just dropped in her drink now that i'm you know knowing that yeah it, it's kind of you know, fucked up it's 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 pretty gross or pretty dark it's fine like uh going off topic again i know we rambled on a lot in this episode but there is a character <laughs> that came out that actually hears the hex cores 
Oh, God. She hears the voices, but she doesn't do anything huh. about it. Huh. She just wants to be a pop star, and she uses a bunch of Hex stuff. Wow, that's... So, whenever that character uh, came out, they were like, fuck this character. Hey, fuck her. <laughs> Cancel her. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's, that's kind of dark. Yeah. Like, yeah. she's like, I hear it, but I don't care. Yeah, so, in everybody else's defense... They don't, they don't know. They don't know. They don't know. They that just is, think it's a magic crystal. That's fair. Like, yeah. I, like I'm not saying that I'm not casting judgment on Jinx for no. it because she has no <laughs> way of knowing. But now that you've told me there's somebody who does know and like knowingly is using them and like yeah. is kind of exploiting them. That's uh, that's dark. It's pretty fucked up. <laughs> and my next note has to do with it's kind of a it's the scene where Jinx confronts Savika about her sister or that they're looking for yeah. somebody. And like her, her personality is so unpredictable in that that yeah. time where she's Savika is planting the seeds of doubt in her about Vi and Caitlyn with regards to Caitlyn, which is really sad. Savika actually is part of the reason why Vi and Jinx don't come back together as smoothly as they could. Um, it's just it's kind of sad when you really think about it that she's like she's with an enforcer. They're not looking for you. Just all of these little things, and it almost seems it's they they do hit home for Jinx, and then she immediately like the the play sneeze and is messing with her, and as well as you know you have the whole line that I think we got off on the wrong arm, which is yeah, <laughs> so fucked up. <laughs> Such if that doesn't showcase how fucked up Jinx's sense of humor is, but yeah, there I, my note with. All of it was uh, the Jinx's unpredictable actions are incredible to watch and terrifying at the same time. Just because you, after that, like a lot of those scenes, especially that one, you really don't have any way to trust what Jinx is feeling. Yeah. Yeah. My next note is with regards to Silco going to Marcus's house and playing with his daughter while he's not there is so sinister. Dude. It's so. Yeah. Oh. That was such a big scene. Like, Oh, it's just all right. The, the only time that I felt scared for Marcus or any empathy for Marcus was during this scene because Silco was in there playing with his daughter. That is every parent's nightmare. Yeah, like like the, oh god, it's terrifying. The most dangerous person you could think of is in my house with, with my, my child. Daughter. Yeah, and I'm kid. not there. Yeah. And I had no idea. Yeah, and not only that, but there's like two goons sitting but, on the but bed. But he's got his his goons with him. That yeah, my child was in so much danger. She has no idea how much danger she was in. Yeah, she she and just thinks that it's some Uncle Silco. Pretty much. Yeah, and then they're building like a card house or like a house card like or, or yeah. like a little like blocks. Yeah. It almost like they're made of wood. But yeah. regardless, like it's just. Holy shit, was that sinister. And that's one of those points where, like, yeah, I, I do not ever condone anything that Silco does that's that fucking villainous. Yeah. I won't deny that it is effective for keeping control of your pawns if you are the very terrible leader who uses yeah. the, you know, the vile uh, control by fear tactics, as he does. But, my God, was that scene just... Whew. Yeah. And then, as he's leaving... He picks up the last card and he goes, whoops. Yeah, and it's a very obvious, oops. Accidents happen. As he's looking into Marcus's yeah. eyes. <laughs> well, so like, <laughs> because Marcus came to Soko and he was like, you got to keep her under control. Your daughter's crazy, blah, blah. Right. And then this is Soko getting back saying, don't threaten my daughter. You threaten my daughter. I, I know where yours is. Yeah. And accidents can happen. So... Yeah, that was what. Yeah, there's no more like direct of a message than that. Yeah. 
Let's see. My next note was uh, oh, it had so it has to do with the arcane again, but uh, the pl- the way that the plants reject it, you know, they start growing and then they die immediately. Yeah, it it lets, leads me to wonder if the arcane is natural because that's one of the things that Heimerdinger had said that it's a force of nature, and I just kind of wonder if you know life is rejecting it so hard. Is it natural? Although with the context of it being the souls of you know people, maybe it's a little more natural than not. Although maybe a little manufactured considering they are the souls yeah. of people. But, yeah, I. But nevertheless, it was just a thing where going off the idea of it being sort of this existential force that it almost feel, feels like it is you know an invader. That is it a natural thing to the world, or is it something from without the world, dimensionally or sp- you know, spatially, that is just trying to get in? Uh, yeah, so, I don't know. I, mean, I, I want to say that like the hex core that victor made is a little different than the hex crystals different than the hex crystals as far as i know in the games victor i forgot what the hell his magic is called but he's still moving with the that hex core and it's like ever-changing so it Mm. i mean i know that in some cinematics they're like yeah i've seen stones become plants and blah 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 Mm -hmm. so Maybe this one's a little bit different. Hi- the the interesting though the interesting thing though is whenever Heimerdinger walked in, he in- instantly looked at it and goes, "That's fucked up." Yeah, uh, that was uh, my next note. Was his his fear of the hex core makes perfect sense to me. Yeah, just that it, it, you know with what I've gleaned from the arcane, even if I'm off, there's just something sus about the whole thing. Yeah, and Heimerdinger is like, "That is evil." <laughs> Like, yeah. That has got to go. That is not good. I've and apparently he's he's seen things, man. He's like the Vietnam vet who's yeah. just, he's seen things, man, and he is not having it. Yeah, and they're like, "What do you what do you mean, old man? It's and, cool." <laughs> <laughs> basically, they're just like, "You don't know what you're talking about, old man. You need to retire." It's like, "No, he probably does. Yeah. You guys are just being stupid." It's like, "No, he's it's gonna save Victor." And it's like, "Was it really gonna save Victor?" Is it? No, no man. I, I doubt it. Uh, I think, I mean, by the end, Victor definitely seems to be along the lines of, yeah, no, this is not going to save me. <laughs> Let's see, my next note actually goes back to, we are with Caitlin trading her rifle to save, or to get the, the, the potion, basically, to heal Vi, is, uh, it's kind of, it's just an endearing thing that she trades her one source of safety, really, the, you know, the thing that is her weapon, but also it's her, that's her rifle, that's not even like an enforcer's rifle. And that's the one that she's had since she was young. She trades that to, to heal Vi. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's you know, such an endearing thing that you see about her as a character. And then to even add to that, that just they, they do a lot within that time period to make Caitlyn even, an even more endearing character was she hugs Huck. Mm-hmm. You know, he's just such a, a tragic character in a lot of ways that he's so down on everything. And she just gives him a hug. Yeah. And there's no you know ulterior motive or anything else. It's just. Just, yeah, just a genuine. I mean, you think about how how touch starved must that guy be? Yeah, and I I think you said it one while we were watching it was when's the last time you thought he had a hug? Yeah, that anybody had shown him any form of affection at all, really. Like, yeah, it's just one of those things that it really does go to show how good of a person that Caitlyn is. And I mean, you see that she's she's her worldview is growing as she's seeing more of the world. And is a thing that she has wanted to see, too. You know, she talks about how her parents have kept her hidden from the world or the world hidden from her for so long. And now she is seeing the world, not through the filters that Piltover would have her see it through. 
Because I, I do think that Jace probably when he because he you know later on he talks about the Undercity. They're dangerous down there and all yeah. of that. And it's, it's just it's that very like rich person like oh they're just ghetto. Which I mean, there's definitely places in LA that I know not to go. Yeah, it, it's just but it's also just kind of a yeah. It's, that's a dangerous neighborhood. Don't yeah. don't go over there if you don't have business over there. Yeah, but, he, but he's, he's like... But it doesn't way, necessarily mean you gotta yeah, look down the, on people. Yeah, the, the way that they're talking about the under... Or Zon is like, oh, they're all just dangerous. And yeah. They're all, they're all the same. And yeah. then Victor's like, I'm, I'm from, from the, the Undercity. Undercity. Yeah. Yeah. So... And I think... Just is like, well, I don't mean you, of course. Uh, duh. Duh. <laughs> But you're a good guy. But like, you can even what? see, like, Caitlyn had that mindset to a degree. And yeah. They, then, and then Vi totally ruined that. Yeah. But then Vi had her view of the Enforcers, which was justified, because you think about it for Vi, like, her she, parents were killed by Enforcers. Just, like, she spent her childhood... Afraid of them. Afraid of them. Being taught, you don't mess with the Enforcers. Yeah. It's it's almost a bit of a sort of poetic irony that she falls in love with an Enforcer. Yeah. And that she comes to understand that not everybody from Piltover is a mo- is is a monster as yeah. kind of the she could be arguably justified in saying it's it's one of those things though where both of the prejudices on either side can be argued yeah because you can take that general view of both cities and they kind of do fall into that stereotype that are presented but as soon as you get into as you know is real life as soon as you get into individual people you find that. You have such a variety of people in anywhere. Yeah, like with like with the firelights. Yeah, like the firelights. At first, you see them as a terrorist group, pretty much. Well, uh, yeah, like yeah. they're or at the very least, they are definitely presented in not a heroic. Yeah, not in any way. Like something. Not they seem sinister. They're, they're a menace. A menace. Yeah. A threat. Just they are not portrayed in any way that would make them you would like them no. or, or in a way that would make them somebody that you might sympathize with because all you see them doing is attacking. Yeah. And then, and then you get full context later. Of, like, Oh no, these are just kids. <laughs> these are kids or sort of the, the free thinkers of Zon who yeah. have not fallen into the, the chem barons clutches. Yeah. They're the people who have tried to eke out a place of, for their own or of their own that is not controlled by a big interest that is going to try to exploit them. Yeah. Let's see. The whole scene with Jinx with the flare is uh, visual storytelling done just incredibly. Yeah. Where she's got the flare and you have Milo and Clagger, like the the demons on her back or, you know, however you might want to describe that, that she's like her, her entire history is just on her. Always. Yeah. And the whole entire time she's thinking like, or she's recalling that memory of Vi telling her that you're no matter where you are, if oh, you like this light the flare, I'll find you. I will find you. What's the first thing that happens whenever Vi and Caitlin are leaving is she sees the flare, she sees the flare and, and she goes immediately. Yeah. She goes immediately. And then my next note was just that when they, they reunite Vi and Jinx reunite, it's so touching, but so tragic because what are some of the first words that, that Jinx says is, are you real? Yeah. And it just, if that doesn't go to show how how hard her, how I guess her delusions or, you know, is she hearing halluc- like auditory hallucinations yeah. of, of the other people's voices? Like, 
we don't know for sure if it's just voices in her head or if she's actually, you know, hearing the voices. But regardless of all of it, it's just so sad that she's doubting the reality in front of her. That, yeah. that her her worldview or her, you know, her mental chemistry is so non-normative that she can't. The, it's such a shock. Yeah, I mean, that she's seeing Vi. She's questioned her reality enough throughout her life at this point that she doesn't know if it's really her. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, she, she's carrying around like all this like past trauma with her. For uh, sure. E- like even when you see her messing around in her workshop, you see the stuffed animals of her, well, you, that are supposed yeah, to represent like her the, brothers. The tiny, tiny clagger. And then the, she's made a full sized Milo who is sitting there. Which yeah. Is, which is really kind of creepy, but it uh, also goes to show whose voice is bigger in her head yeah, too. Milo, because He's, He's the one who was always criticizing her, always yeah. talking down, always bad mouthing her. Yeah. And so, you know, as has been acknowledged or can be seen in the real world, it's always the negative comments that will stick with you longer than yeah. the positive. So especially for a little girl, that left an impression that one of the people who was you know, supposed to be her family was just always on her, always talking. Yeah. Always talking bad about her. It's sad. Yeah. And then, oh, my last note for the episodes was that uh, I wonder if, if Echo and the Firelights hadn't shown up, would Vi have been able to convince Jinx to come to her side? It seems like Vi was starting to get through to her. You know, Jinx had her, her whole moment where, you know, she's yelling and, you know, you're just, you're trying to manipulate me. And then Vi you know, shoves the gun to the side and is like, I'm just here for you. And you can shoot that if you want, but I'm not going anywhere. And it's like right at that moment that Echo and the Firelights show up. And it just makes me wonder... If they, if they had not yeah. you know, attacked, which were, you know, they're already people who seem to trigger Jinx's <laughs> violent psychopathy, if Vi would have been able to get through to Powder. Uh, would it have lasted? I don't know. But it's just yeah. one of those things that I do wonder if she would have got through. I, I think that there probably could have been more progress made. It might have caused things to go down differently in the long run. But... Who can say? Yeah, I don't. The decisions were made. And I don't know. That's a that's a it's, tough question. It's a definitely a, a what if that you know, obviously there's no way to know for sure. Yeah, I guess you could ask the writers if you really wanted to to get their viewpoint on it. But regardless, it's just one of those things that I was thinking about when we were watching it. That if Echo had shown up, maybe 20 minutes later, maybe maybe things would have gone a little better. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I don't think so because. But I, I have come to the conclusion later in later episodes that Jinx, uh, the powder isn't really there anymore. No, no. And and it makes sense. I, mean, yeah. I think about it. I am not the person I was as a kid. Yeah. Like you, you, you grow up and as you grow up, you do some of the, the, the core fundamentals of who you are definitely set when you're young, but you definitely grow. You definitely change. And yeah. I mean, Jinx has grown up in a really harsh environment, regardless of having Silco to protect her or whatever. But yeah, with her and her instabilities and her her own traumas that are shaping her. Yeah, like it makes sense that she would be sort of the, I hate to use the word broken individual that she is, but she kind of is a broken person. Yeah. And it's tragic. The, the, The entire tone of the series is definitely one of tragedy. There are moments of levity and, and nice wholesomeness, but it is definitely, I've described it to you as it's very much a, tr- a train wreck that you know is going to happen. You're just waiting to see how it plays out. And if that's not just terribly depressing, but the writing is so good. It's so yeah. good. 
I just, uh, the only thing that I do not like about Jinx is, uh, it showing like, hey, your traumas make you a villain. Yeah. But, I mean, we also have Vi. Yeah. Vi has, Vi has less, but. But just, but does she though? Does she? She doesn't. Yeah, she's come she through the exact same no, thing. She, as the she, Jinx come, did. she comes from the exact same thing, and you could even and argue that she's almost had it worse. Considering she's had it she worse was, because she was more aware of like. Also, hey. also, she spent six years in a prison where they beat her. Yeah. Constantly, like she has definitely gone through just as bad, if not worse, as Jinx. But she turned yeah. it into something positive, which, to a degree, I think that does have to do with Vander having very much taken Vi mm-hmm. in particular under his wing and teaching her the her self-responsibility about a lot of things and, and those those sides of it. We never really saw him talk to Powder in that way. Uh, maybe you could even argue that that's a point of you know, him being a father is he wasn't the perfect father just because you never see him try to teach Powder things, which you could argue you, the flip side of it is that they just didn't have time to, to show that yeah. in the show. I, I like to think that he would have been the same way with all of the others that he was with Vi. Yeah. I could be wrong, but regardless of it, it's just one of those things where Vi, Vi has gone through all the same traumas and come out a better person for it, or at the very least, she wasn't broken by it. No. Which is interesting. But she, she still carries that all around she oh she carries it on her shoulders for sure it is an interesting thing because i think about in episode three vander after he comes into the shop where she was going to turn herself in he says you have a good heart keep it no matter how much the world tries to break it yeah like there's something along those lines it's i don't i'm not going to make it say it's an exact quote but it's you know paraphrasing him it's just an interesting note that he did he said that to her and that that is such a an apt thing yeah i i do wonder if they're, I mean, basically, the only way I can see that Jinx not turning out the way she did is with very, very intense therapy and possibly medication. Pot, yeah, like if if she had been able to see a therapist at a young age. Yeah, she she needed counseling. Yeah, she, she needed somebody to help her work through the traumas to try to help with her abandonment issues to try to yeah. you know, there's there's a lot of things i obviously am not a trained psychiatrist or psychologist so i could never diagnose her but it just definitely does seem like having professional help would have helped jinx to be not a, a murderous psychopath yeah she wasn't somebody who like she doesn't quite strike me as a sociopath because she does experience emotion yeah i that... i also once again can't diagnose but it just does strike me as she is capable of feeling emotion as well as guilt about things like she's definitely somebody who has the range of human emotion even if she is a very mentally unstable person Mm -hmm. whose moods definitely bounce very heavily and very quickly but it's kind of just regardless of it she does seem like somebody who is she's a tragic villain for sure and she's we're seeing her fall into being a full villain but she's just somebody who has not had an easy life and it has shaped her into be not the best person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't think I have anything else to, uh, uh, to say yeah, on the matter? I think we said plenty. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right, guys. I think that's going to wrap it up for this episode of Manitab. Thanks for listening. My name's Chris. And I'm Kurt. And until next time. Bye. Goodbye.